Uh, you entrepreneurs, today we have uh, Gabe Mendez. He is a, he runs a real estate team in San Diego. It's a it's a pretty it's a pretty real story. I mean, a lot of the stuff you see on social media, you only actually see like, oh, I got this new car, I got this, I got this. And in this kind of in this conversation, we actually go deep. We talk about how he actually had to leave the business one time, go into another field, come back in the business, then lose three months of savings and fight through. They like, get his car repossessed, and then what do you know? Keep fighting, made a difference, and uh, now he runs a team down here. Guys, subscribe, share, and listen to this. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. All right, so we are here with uh, Gabe Mendez. Uh, you run a, a real estate team, Realtor San Diego. I think one of the biggest things, yes, you sold a lot of properties. I think one of the biggest things I, I kind of noticed was two viral videos with over 7 million views. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. damn, man. People are always trying to go viral, and you went twice. Twice. Okay, so tell us a little about who you are, Gabe. Um, so I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a fiance, team lead. I love to dance. I love long, long walks on the beach. No, I'm kidding. Oh, damn. Uh, no, I really do, though. <laughs> Um, I'm just hungry, man. I love to work. I love to build. I love to see progress. I just love to live, really. So whatever it is, man, I've done a lot of different things. But to wrap it up in a nutshell, man, it's pretty much you know who I am, what I do, what I'm about. All right, man. Well, yeah. so so tell me, tell me what you got you in the field. What got you into the field? Tell us what got you to this point that you are today. Um, back in 2007, my mother was a victim of predatory lending. Uh, she protected us. She didn't want to let us know what was happening. We lost the house. And I decided to, um, once I got an opportunity to get into real estate, I jumped in and wanted to advocate for people who didn't have a voice or advocate for people who didn't know what was happening so that this way it could never happen to them. Um, got into the business because of that. So that's my big why. That's, a, that's, a determining, that's the, uh, uh, the determining factor. That's the motivation every single morning is so that people never get taken advantage of the way we were. So that we never have to, that no one else will ever have to walk out with their you know, uh, tail in between their legs feel embarrassed or another mother never has to look at their son again and say hey son look we have to go and the children asking what's going on why so how, if you don't ask how old are you in 2007 uh 2000 i was just turned 17 man so see so yeah, i just just turned 17 okay so at, at that time your mom didn't tell you that you're getting kind of foreclosed on right no didn't happen so what was the process i mean most people uh listening probably have a, a fair understanding. Can yeah. you walk us through the foreclosure process in California? Yeah. So. Um, so the foreclosure process, once you've missed a few of your payments, you go into what's called the notice of default. The default process happens. You get a notice of trustees. Once that happened, the auction data is set. Sheriffs show up. You're out the door. Um, dude, I was so involved like in my high school life, bro, like women and partying and all that stuff and just so fixated on what I was doing that I, I didn't really realize what was happening in that moment. I didn't realize like the signs on the doors. I didn't realize the, um, the stakes that were being left out in the, in the front yard, the, the door knocks on the front door of like sheriffs and me wondering what's going on. And I was just so out of it. And my mom was such like a, um, a protector, right. You know, protecting her cubs that she was just like, Hey, ignore it. I'm not sure what's going on. There's something happening in the neighborhood. And I'm, and be quite honest with you, man, I'm a little pissed off because I, I told her when I'm like, mom, like, why didn't you tell me, you know, why didn't you let me know you were going through these type of things and son, Hey, you know, uh, um, 
get away from the door. You know, someone's knocking on it. Get away from the door. Don't answer the door. Turn the lights off. Mom, what's going on? Why? Just get away from the door. Listen to me later. Okay, sounds good. I'll do that. Hey, mom, I just got home from school. There, I see something on the front uh, uh, front yard that says uh, foreclosure. Or I forgot what I told her. And like, hey, just ignore that. Take it down. Break it. Just throw it in the trash. People playing pranks around the area. All right, mom, sounds good. And then before I knew it, hey, we have to go. Yeah, I mean, me and my team, we do a lot of door knocking for our defaults. Yeah. And it is crazy how really scary is out there, especially with like, I don't know if you've seen the new, new fad where they're putting like, it looks like the, from the post office. And so it's like, call us. And it's actually like an investor. Oh, I mean, trying yeah, to snag no, the owners yeah. like that. So like there's stuff like, I mean, I do this on a daily basis. You do it on a daily basis. And yeah. I know for myself, I'll look at some of the paperwork and it takes me a second to realize it's actually not from the bank. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you're in these situations and especially when you're not even before you even got to real estate, That'd be so scary. It's 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 really scary, man, to see how easily they're duplicating these things, making them look and feel like they're actually official work from you know whoever. And yeah, so we went through that process, and um, it was a humbling experience. Looking back at it, again, I got pissed off. My mom, like, I, you know, I could have worked, you know, two or three jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have stopped doing what I was doing. I would have been able to uh, have contributed somehow. And I'm mad that I didn't have that opportunity. But now I'm taking that same energy and that same passion over to my clients. Well, and I, I think because we're, I mean, so social media based, right? And you mm. were talking about when you started on the Instagram live. So people listening right here, we actually, Gabe is really big on social media, as you can tell by the viral videos. Um, so he kind of brought it up that he shows his life in such a positive light. And this podcast is all about the idea of the other 90%, not that 10% of the good times, mm-hmm. right? And I think everyone else sees the good times out there, right? right? And so like your mom and like other people out there, they go, man, everyone else is doing good. I can't tell people that I'm having a bad moment right because we all go to bad moments. Right. So, yeah. I mean, so what happened next? Cause so did you have an idea of getting to real estate once this all happened? No, man, it was beautiful the way it happened, man. I, honestly, I feel like, like you said, the road to growth, right? I feel like that road that you go through, those boulders that are in your way, that that fork in the road, and you don't know which way to go. I feel like that's everyone's path. That is your path, right? That's the way you're supposed to go. Yeah. And it never makes sense like moving forward, right? You only make sense when you look backwards. And so I'm going through this life, and, and um, finally my boy re- reached out to me one time back in 2013. I was selling shakes for a multi-level marketing company. And I was always available during the morning. I had to do the in-house presentations at night. Um, and he reached out, I was like, yo, Gabe, look, dude, you're killing it in what you're doing. You have a big database. Your mornings are available. I want you to be my transaction coordinator and I want you to be my assistant. I'm like, cool, I'll just jump in these. I'll pay you 600 per file, come in, you'll do everything. So I jumped in the business, stressed myself out, but I'm thinking to myself, dude, if he's doing like four or five files, that's another $2,500 to me. Plus I'm making 2,500 over here in my business. That's like five grand a month. Mm-hmm. I do 60 Gs a month, year, I'm down, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So I jumped in it that way and I started to fall in love with the paperwork and the importance of it. And I'm like, whoa, this is actually pretty cool. And then I started to notice like, oh, this dude's buying like flips and buying homes that are for cheap. And then he's flipping them. I'm like, dude, this guy's doing, he's doing an amazing job. And that year in the business, this dude made $500,000. I'm like, whoa, all right, my, you have my attention now. Yeah. Before it was just a little hobby. And so he's like, listen, man, while you're working for me, study and get your license. Got my license. And then that's when everything came full circle. That's when I started picking up the phone and calling people, notice of defaults. That's when I, my first listing ever in my career was a notice of default. Yeah. And I got it from um, some lady who lived in LA. She owned a property in Carmel Valley. So I was able to get that listing. And that was my first ever listing. And so when that happened, I met with her. Uh, older lady, very beautiful, kind-hearted, her and her husband. They had no idea. I mean, these people are intelligent. They were smart. They owned a big home in Laguna Hills. Mm. And they were coming to me as a professional, like, hey, what do we do? Mm. 
And then so I was looking at them like, this is my opportunity to advise them, like what the best route is for them. Yeah. So I remember studying, I remember asking my broker, I remember asking our in-house legal uh, team, like what do I do? Because I really wanted to service her to the highest level. And I decided like, hey, look, we went through the option of trying to get you to a loan modification, it didn't work out. Um, your best option is to short sell, otherwise your credit's gonna take a hit. Like it's take more of a hit than it already has. And she's like, let's do it. So she signed it, gave me the opportunity, I sold it, I'm like, wow. In this position that I have right now, I have the authority to advise people on what path to take and they'll listen. So that is true power when people will listen and influence. And I wanted to make sure that I use that for the good. And that in that moment is when I realized, okay, this is what I need to be doing. I gave it like six more months of multi-level marketing, dropped that off. And I jumped into real estate at that point back in 2014. And then I realized, shit, this is hard. <laughs> That's what I was like. It ain't that easy, bro. Like I should have kept that jog with the shakes. You know, I should have been selling some shakes and all that. And um, so I, I stopped real estate and I stopped the shakes. And I was like, dude, I need to get a freaking job. So uh, luckily, my old job from back in the day, like 2009, called me up like, hey, we're hiring seasonal positions. Got back into it for six months. I realized that is not what I was called to do. Sit at an office all day, pushing paperwork, answering phone calls. And I decided to quit my job full time back in May of 2015. That's when I decided to go full-time into real estate, take it serious, not dabbling in anything else. I didn't have a lead, I didn't have a pipeline. I didn't have um, a team, I didn't have a script. I just knew what I had to do, which was call people, make contacts, and convert them into contracts. That's all I knew I had to do. It was hard, man. I, I went in May 2015, I ran through my savings the first three months. And I think this is like, okay, so when people, because I have a lot of younger agents who reach out to me, like, Gabe, what's up, man? What, what do I have to do? What's the key? It's like, dude, we already know what we have to do. It's, everyone's preaching the same message. Go out there and do the work. But what I feel like most people don't talk about are the smaller details of like really what it takes, like the mind, what small actions are you taking every single day and like what the importance of those actions are. So I understood that if I needed to be, if I was 26 years young, and I wanted someone to trust me with a half a million dollar asset or a purchase or a sale in, that, in, this, in this case, that I needed to look and sound like someone who could handle that um, initially, just for them to get the opportunity. Then whatever I knew at that point, the conversation I would have would then allow them to hire me. Get me in the door first. Like, hey man, I just want you to interview me for the job of buying or selling. If I, do I look that part? If I do, then great, let me share with you now. Now my knowledge comes out. Let me share with you so that you can make the decision. That's the part I think people don't invest enough time in. What does that look like? Well, shit, man, my first three months, I went and got two suits. I went and bought five uh, white collared shirts, not, not, not printed, not checkered, nothing else, because I did some research. And I found out that there are things known as power colors, power knots and ties that you tie. Um, there, are, there are certain types of socks that you need to wear in your suits to be looked at as a professional. Then I started researching some of like the biggest, most influential people in the world. And I started looking at people like um, Bill Clinton. Uh, at that time, it was Barack Obama. And I was like, okay, what are these people doing differently? And I started looking at all these power players in the financial industry and then politics. Politics especially, because us, as, us as, a, as a nation, we're so programmed to look at politicians as, as people of hope. People who can take us to the promised land, get us where we need to be. This is why we elect presidents based on what our needs are. So if an entire nation is looking at one man and saying that's the guy who's gonna get us from here to there, and that's already programmed in their mind to think that way, well then shoot, how do I position myself as an authority like that immediately if no one knows me? I need to look, sound, and everything just like him. So that's what I did. 
researched the power colors. I found out that blue's a power color. I found out that red was a power color. I found out that they meant two different things, people psychologically speaking. I found out that yellow mixed with blue meant something. I found out that red mixed with blue meant something. And when you added white, it meant something even different. And it started getting down the deeper level psych psych psychologically. And then I started finding out about suits, how they should be tailored what they should look like, um, how to walk in a suit, how to sit in a suit, how to button up your tie, how to look like a true gentleman and professional. And that was a skill set, I think, that part of the skill set that started to send me down the trajectory of success because I wasn't that person before. And that's what not people, people don't talk about. The next thing was, all right, now, and now I have the look. I have the ties, I have the shirts, I have the suits. Now I need to have the knowledge. How, how can a kid from 26 who used to party and do all these crazy things now speak at a higher level? How can I get away from the upswings and the excitement? And oh my gosh, like too much over the top. Like, dude, chill. Like Barack Obama's not like that. He's, he's a cool cat, right? I don't care about your political views or nothing like that. This is strictly, I'm talking about this guy's a cool cat. He won an entire nation based on charisma. Dude's legit. How do I mimic that? Well, I have to have more baritone in my voice. I need to have a little more timber. That's what got me into the vocal side of things, right? So now we're talking again, psychological. Well, how do I get more timber in my voice? I started doing more vocal exercises, which I'm in love with. Breathing exercises, learning how to speak from my diaphragm, not so much my throat. Having a visual understanding of when my sentences need to eat, need to end, and what that sounds like. So now when I'm having a conversation with people, I know when my period should pause. I know how long to pause. I know when to upswing, get a little more energy and be like, dude, let's get a little, and I know how to draw people with my voice. Like, hey, you gotta do this, listen to me. I'll tell you a little secret, right? Naturally, people want to pull in. So I started learning that. I started taking classes, Toastmasters. So I had the Toastmasters. I have, um, I'm learning the psychological of dress and all those things. Now I have the appearance. Now if I look at you, eye contact, eye contact, I can have a conversation with you and it sounds good and I can look the part. And if we dig deep into sales psychology, we know that there's three major components of sales. Uh, what, no, you have three major components as to whether someone chooses to, to, to believe in you and hire you or not. That's physiology. That's your tonality. And then you have the words that you choose. Words that you choose happen to be around 7% approximately. You have the physiology aspect of things, which is 55%. And then you have the difference between that, which was, I think it's 28% or something like that, or 18%. 18% is what it is. So we have 55 and 18%. Whether a person decides to hire you or not, whether a person decides to believe you or not, has nothing to do with the words that you choose. So why are we so focused on scripts? Why are we so focused on the words? That has nothing to do with it. Even if you get the words right and the tonality right, but your body language is off, you still don't get the job over half the time. So we shouldn't even be focusing on that in my belief. It should, and that's what we teach. Scripts, tonality, scripts, tonality. Dude, like that's a small part. If I'm door knocking, if I'm at an open house, you need to teach me how to act. Because I can say the right thing to you, but if my body language is off, I'm looking fidgety and my hands are behind my back, I have one in my pocket, my arms are crossed, that's the deeper shit. So I said, okay, let's dive into that a little more. And what did I find out? 55%, there's a certain way when you knock on a door or when you're communicating with a male or a female, there's a definite way that you need to stand. And with males, it's never like this, squared off. You as the male who are trying to earn someone's business and trust, tilt your body at an angle, you keep your hands up or you keep your hands like in visual sight for them uh, with the female. Then you open up a little more, have your hands open. And when you're speaking to them, that's the difference in like a true professional, in my opinion, someone who gets that deep cares enough, not faking enough, cares enough to understand in order for me to better service you, 
in order for me to make you feel comfortable, then I better do better research to make sure that when you meet Gabe Mendez, that you feel comfortable. It has nothing to do with faking it. It has everything to do with respect. Because I want to make sure when I step into your world that I make you feel comfortable. The same way that if I were to travel to China, that if I were to travel to the Middle East, best believe I'm researching their culture. Best believe I'm understanding that I cannot make eye contact with women. Best believe that I understand in China I can't spit on the floor, otherwise I'll get arrested for it. And that's not me being fake. It's respecting the culture. Therefore, how do I respect your culture here domestically? That's what I want to do. So the body language aspect of things. Then your tonality. There's so many parts of speech. You have timber, you have pitch, you have volume, you have rate. You have all these different things that play a factor into how you, see, how you deliver a message. And so I understood that. I owned that for the first three months. I got the look and the tonality. I started going to class for it. Um, and the scripts was the last thing that I worried about, what I was, what I was actually going to say. I just knew that I sp if I spoke genuinely from the heart from, to people and they can connect with me, then the words didn't matter. And that's what I did. I was humbled about it. All right. So that was... We can definitely tell that that you're you're not you're not uh, lost for words. No, <laughs> you, man. You, really, you really have your words. So jump me back into all this stuff. I mean, you've you put so much mindset into this, so much thought into each aspect of of how you portrayed yourself. Getting back to the idea that you're three months in, you spent basically the bulk of your savings right there. Did you already come to that realization of the tonality of your look, all that kind of stuff before that three months, after the three months, a couple of years before that, when you're doing the um, the the marketing job yeah. you had that was um it, it the marketing job introduced me to it but okay. i didn't get heavy into it until i actually got into real estate and i knew i had to make the shift so when you when you transition into that kind of that individual that kind of mindset that better person so on and so forth right mm -hmm. <clears throat> was that like right when you jumped into real estate was that the beginning of the three months or was it after three months because i mean <clears throat> if anyone that says that they haven't felt it when they've started a new business where it's like, God damn, this is the right position for me. And you, you left already once. And now you're at this point where you three months in, mm -hmm. you basically lost a lot of that, that savings right there. I mean, that had to be kind of scary yet. You had a, it seems like you had a really strong game plan. Um, I had a game plan <laughs> and as we know, man, it always doesn't happen according to plan. Uh, I ran through my savings. Yeah. Ran through the entire savings dude. And, um, it was hard after that. So what, so what happened next? So you run through your savings, right? Yeah. Did you think about basically, God damn, man, I can't, this is not right for me. I got to back out again. Bro, every freaking day, man, it's a mental battle. Um, every morning that I woke up, I had to convince myself and hype myself up. Dude, I had to like, I had to be my biggest cheerleader. Yeah. Dude, I had to, dude, I like my own post on Facebook and Instagram. I used to get a shitload of shit for that, bro. Like, dude, what? Why, do you, why are you liking your own post? I'm like, dog, if I don't advocate, if I'm not cheerleading myself, no, no one else for sure is. Like, I need to be my biggest fan. I need to make sure that I tell myself, dude, you look good, bro. Like, get up. You look, you look amazing. So, yeah, during that time, I had to get up, and every day it was a mental battle, and I ran through everything. I didn't have a lead. I didn't have anything in the pipeline, dude. So what so. was your affirmation? Like, what was your daily affirmation? Was it because it sounds like you were doing affirmations without knowing? It, I guess. Yeah, I, I didn't really know. Like, I was doing yeah. it until I watched like certain videos and movies and audio tapes. Uh. I was things, but I would always tell myself I was strong, I was healthy, I was disciplined. Um, I'm highly favored. Um, you speak well, you dress well, you're charismatic. People love you. I love you. Things like that. So I was always, whatever, whatever I felt like I needed to tell myself at that time, I told myself. Right. So your your back's against the wall, right? You went through your savings. That first lead that came about right after that. I'm, I'm assuming you're probably a little excited. I'll Were you able to control yourself a little bit or how did that work out? I, I, I was, uh, it was 
uh, what's right before August, September, no, July, August, yeah, July. Yeah. So it was in July when I was door knocking uh, in National City. I remember the door, I remember the street, I remember everything, bro. I had an iPad in my hand and I was knocking and she could tell, dude, my face was red. I had my, my white collared shirt was all stained brown around the neck and I knew she can sense like my, my hunger and, and she probably felt bad. So she kept conversation with me and she was like, look, dude, my brother-in-law is looking to buy a house. And, um, but I don't know if I can give you his number. I'm like, please, can I just reach out to him? It's, you know, I promise you going back and forth with her trying to objection handle all that stuff. And then her, her husband's in the, on the couch and he's speaking Spanish, he speaks Spanish and he yells out in Spanish, like, just give it to him. And she's like, ah, okay, here you go. And it's his brother. Hmm. So he gives me the number and, uh, they gave it to me and I reach out and he's like, yeah, we're looking for a house. And crazy thing is, his name is his last name ends up being the same as my last name. So we hit it off. I'm like, dude, your last name is Mendez. Mm. He was like, yeah. I'm like, dude, mine too. He's like, no. I'm like, this is probably meant to be, right? And my name is Gabriel. I'm an angel. Probably angel sent me a joke out of it. And I, I hooked him, dude. I'm like, I finally have a solid, solid person who says who's raising their hand saying, yeah, I want to buy. And they're giving me the time of day. And I'm already four months at this point. Like, I mean, three months already passed my in my savings, gone already. Um, I haven't paid my, so I have no cash, like physical cash left. I haven't paid my car at this point in three months or three and a half months. So I'm like th three and a half months behind my car note. Um, and then I, I finally land an appointment with him, get him pre-approved. He ends up wanting to not buy a house with the loan, but he wants to buy all cash. So the first purchase he ends up making, which is a couple months down the road, was 110000 <laughs> If anyone knows, that's not a drastic amount of money in San Diego. Mm. But it's still a mini win. It's, it's, it's still a mini win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you had to at least appreciate that for a second, right? I did, man. <laughs> I was like, shit. I, you know what? Okay, like, I'm gonna be real with you, bro. I even did uh, in advance of my commission on that deal. Oh wow. Yeah. Was it one of those companies that like oh, you uh, see on WinForms or yeah, ZipForms, yeah. whatever it's called? Yeah. Um, yeah, one of those companies. I did it. I signed up. I was like, here's my escrow number. Here's the escrow contact. Like, give me an advance on this commission right here. And I think it was like fifteen hundred bucks, a thousand bucks. So it was enough for me just to have cash. I didn't put it in the bank. It was enough mm. for me just to have cash because I was behind on my car payment. It was uh, something bad was going to happen with my car, and, and it did. Um, but what, what happened? Got repossessed. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I got a car repossessed. I got it repossessed um, at a listing appointment. Wow. Yeah, it was a Friday. It was a Friday, and uh, it was a Friday in, I think it was the end of August. I was four and a half months behind my payment, or close to five months. And it was a Friday afternoon. I booked an appointment in a place I'd been farming, and I show up to listing appointments. It's a gated community. I pull inside. I sit down with this guy. I'm dressed up, bro, in my suit, looking good. And I sit down with a guy. Sit down right here. Gabe, let me tell you about everything. I hate this community. I hate the HOA. I hate my neighbors. I'm like, dude, like... This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do this. I'm like, yeah, let's get this thing done. And he's walking me through the whole property. He's telling me everything. He shows me the upstairs. Shows me the downstairs. Like, look, I've I've toyed with the idea of selling my home, and I never decided I wanted to do it, but I'm ready to do all this stuff, right? I'm like, cool, man. Let's do, it, let's do, it, let's do it. And the next thing I hear, like, boom, 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 running down the stairs. And I look up, and it's his mom. She's like, do you have a blue a blue BMW? And I was like, oh. I just knew it, bro, in my heart. I just knew it right there. I just knew it when she asked me that. There's no reason for her to ask me. I'm like, yeah. I knew it. So I'm like, yeah, I do. She's like, I think they're towing your car outside. So I'm like, okay, I gave it in my head. I'm like, dude, like, stay in the zone. Stay in the zone. Don't get emotional. Just stay in the fucking zone and try to do your best. Do your best. But you know, man, the eyes don't lie, bro. Like, they don't lie. And I just remember feeling my entire face get really heavy. And I remember just all this gravity was pulling down on my cheeks. I couldn't smile. It was hard for me to smile. And I was digging deep. So I stood up. I was like, oh, let's go check outside. I'm trying to keep it cool. I open the door, I walk out first. 
boom, it's already connected to the tow truck. And I start walking towards the guy and he looks at me and he's like, and he's like whispering to me, like, so they can't see. He's like, I'm so sorry, bro. I'm so sorry. I can't, nothing I can do. And as I get closer, I'm like, bro, is there any way, please, I'm working here. Is there any way you can just let it go? And I don't have any money to give you, but I promised I'm going to make the payment. He's like, I'm sorry, BMW sent me here. So I just said, fuck, I turn around, I walk back. He's looking at me and I'm like, all right, dude, just smile. So I walk up all happy. So I walk back. I'm like, oh, you know, it is what he's like. He's like, ah, oh, Gabe. He's like, I'm so sorry about that. I'm like, sorry. Like, I'm like, why are you, why are you sorry? I'm like, what's going on, man? Why, why, are you, why are you apologizing? He's like, ah, I'm sorry because it was my neighbors who called the tow truck on you. I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, yeah, screw your neighbors, man. <laughs> screw all of them. Let's oh, go. gosh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, screw all your neighbors, man. Let's go inside. Let's get this thing inside. Let's get, let's get you out of here. Go back inside. I don't get the listing appointment. I don't get the listing. Yeah. I don't have any money to call Uber or Lyft. That didn't exist back then. I don't have a ride back to the office. My mom and my sister weren't answering. They were both at work in school. And after about 15 minutes of feeling awkward and just sweating in my suit, he's like, um, let me give you a ride. I was like, fuck, dude, the most humbling thing ever, bro. I jump in his two-seater truck, no music, no AC. It's just he and I, like, arms length apart. Just driving quietly for like eight, nine minutes, which felt like 30. Drops me off at the office. I turn around like a little kid in detention. I'm like, uh, so I guess this is bye. He's like, yeah, I'll see you later. Bye. Never heard from him again. And that day I had a decision to make on Friday. Was it, I go home with my head down or do I stay the fuck there at the office? Cause I have no choice and wait for my mom to pick me up at six. So I stayed there until six, man, making my calls. Damn. What, uh, what pushed you through it actually? I mean, I guess you didn't have the car, but what pushed you through not to try to go to the bar or get a drink or just like get out of your head? I knew that, um, I knew that, I knew that's what everyone does, right? Yeah. And so I kind of like, I don't know, man, I have like a gift of vision, I guess, bro, like where I can play like a movie out in advance. Um, I look at my life as a film and that I, before I make a decision, I say, okay, if I make this decision, where will it end up? And then do I want to be there? And then I, and I, and I put myself in that position. What does it feel like if I go home and do that shit? What am I going to do? And I play every position out. And then I reverse engineer. Do I want to be, end up in that route? So I almost live my life as if I lived it already to feel the emotion, to feel the pain or to feel the glory. And if I feel that's something that I want to go do, then I'll make that decision. So I sat at the office and I did the same thing, man, that exercise. I sat down in my chair and I was like, okay, if I go home or try to find a ride home right now, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit down, probably get my PlayStation out, probably not do anything, lose today. And I'll be depressed, worrying about my car. That's going to fucking hurt. Part of my language, it's going to hurt. And I don't want to feel that. But if I stay here, and I make my contacts like I'm supposed to, and I follow up with people like I'm supposed to, then perhaps I have a chance. And um, that was like the thing. So I, I gave myself hope because I, one of the people I work, used to work with told me that, hey, Gabe, look, every call that you make and every door that you knock on is a potential 10 grand. And if it's a condo, it's a potential 30 grand because you can help them sell, find the buyer for the home and help them find and help them buy a house. That's 30,000 right there. So in my head, every time I called or knocked on a condominium, it was 30,000. Every time it was a house, it was 10 grand. So like, if I just stay here, one of these calls can be 10 grand today. And I don't know if I don't take the chance. And so I played the movie out. The pain of going home was uh, far worse than the pain of staying. The pain of staying. So that was the easy way to make the decision. So, I mean, we kind of already talked about like the idea of, of overcoming kind of adversity. I mean, you have yeah. some, some big ones that you've kind of jumped through. Looking at like, let's say that that younger person, right? That person that was doing the side hustle for the TC work and doing the multi-level. Yeah. Like what kind of advice would you give that person? I mean, it's, it's, it's been a couple of years, but I mean, you, it seems like you've grown a lot in that yeah. time frame. What kind of advice would you give that person? I, I, I never forget. 
first off, I never forget like what it felt like. I never forget forget what I uh, forgot what it tasted like to not have anything. And I, I know I can clearly articulate to people what it feels like now. So um, if I'm looking back at people, man, the biggest thing I tell everyone is like, look, just stay consistent with your work, work hard and get better. That's it. If you work hard, do what you're supposed to do and you get better at what you're doing, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. There's just not enough people who I feel like are connecting with like these younger agents on a younger level who, who are going through a lot of things because all of us have financial struggle, but just no one's talking about it. And now I want to get really vocal about my story. Um, no one's talking about the repossessions and the, and the money that was overdrawn from your bank account. Well, it makes you look bad. I mean, that's how people look at it. I mean, I, I think it, it, it's, it's a bullshit world because especially with like so many agents getting the business, like, like you right there, man, yeah. like, it, it, like I, I hear it all the time, man, where people are just like, oh, so-and-so, man, he's making it so easy. They're doing it so easy. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, that's not the case. <laughs> no, that's man. not the case. Like, <laughs> nah, never. Yeah, so. Everyone, no. everyone goes through the struggles, man. But I feel that, I feel like if any younger age, young agent that's out there, or any agent for that matter, who's struggling, if you work hard, regardless, at the end of the day, if you boil everything down, man, it doesn't matter anything else. But if you are the hardest worker in the room and you are determined to improve your skill set. Those two things alone will get you to where you want to go. And eventually you'll have to add to that. But at the very core of everything, if you if you're the hardest worker and you commit to improving your skills, those are the only two major factors in my opinion that'll get you past whatever it is. It's just a matter of time. Just do the work day in and day out. Get better every day and every day in and day out. Move forward, making the prog consistent stuff. Every day, it'll happen. It will happen. It's happened for you. It's happened for me. It's happened for a lot of top producing real estate agents. And right now, for younger people who are out there who are struggling financially, trust me on this one. If you work hard and you commit to getting better and you're consistent every day with those two things, it doesn't matter anything else. It, it doesn't seem, I mean, just from the outside looking in, that you're where you want to be, but you're in a good place, right? Yeah. When did you know that you're in a good place? Like, was there a point in time that you can remember they're saying, like, I got this deal <laughs> or this happened or whatever it might yeah. be that. Um, I think. I think like um, like in real estate, I think we're in seasons, right? Of like different situations. So back when I first started in real estate, my season was not having anything and I needed to get my traction going and I was broke. And then I got into a season of, I started to get a lot of listings and buyers. And then that season was um, the season of procedures and systems. And then it got to a point where it was um, mismanaging my money. And that was a season that I went through. And then it was a season of a lot of business and a lot of money. Now, how do I leverage that? And then right now, my current season, I feel, is just scaling and um, having the right people around me. So it's a different type of season for me. So I say that because I don't ever feel like I ever made it. Um, and looking back in the last like four and a half years of my real estate career, I look back and I think to myself, like, I need to slow down because I need to enjoy every single step of the process that's happening because I'm never, ever going to get to where I want to get to your success isn't a destination. Literally, it's not like a place you get to because once you get to that place, like, dude, I got to a place where I was doing 24 deals a year. I thought I was set until I found out there was new problems. Like, they were called Uncle Sam. I was like, oh, damn, I forgot to pay you, bro. My bad. I thought I kept all 15,000 of this. Mm. Um, so you never, you never really get to a place of success, in my opinion, because you're constantly growing. You're constantly wanting to achieve something else. So I think that uh, you just have to enjoy where you're at in life. And have, have you ever heard that? Uh, it's a Matthew McConaughey uh, speech that he does at like some graduation. But he talks about they asked him, "Who's the person that you looked up to?" And he thought about it. He goes, "Who was that person?" He goes, "You know what? It's that person from me five years from now." 
And then when he got to that point, he goes, who's that person? It's the person from five years from now. So it's constantly looking forward, but it's that person that you're like, that's the person I'm going to be. Right. So what's next for you? If we're talking in five years from now, well, who's Mm -hmm. that person you're going to be? Right now, my my biggest focus, two things. Um, In the real estate realm, my biggest focus is building up my team, making sure that they're doing well and that they're financially taken care of. I've come to peace with where I'm at financially. I've come to peace with where I'm at physically and everything else in my life. My main goal is to make sure the people who are leaning on me get to where they need to be in the real estate business. And the second thing in the real estate business would be my clients. I wanna make sure that from start to finish, no matter what happens, they have a Disneyland slash Nordstrom experience every time. And I need to make sure that every member on my team is trained that way. I need to make sure that every person I bring in shares the same values as I do. And that every single client that comes our way, they know no matter who it is, if it's Gabe, if it's Jenny, if it's Jax, if it's Jennifer, if it's Cherish, whoever's on my team, that they know I can talk to this person on Gabe's team, get the same answer on the same question and the same level of commitment and service. That is my sole focus moving into 2020 is making sure that clients feel that. And they feel that already. But in my high standard like perspective of life, I'm not there yet. And then outside of real estate, uh, the next thing is to help my family grow our YouTube channel hmm. um, to get it to where we want it to be. So our goal this year was to get to 75,000 subscribers. We started last year with zero or 300. And we're now at 57,000 worldwide subscribers. Nice. One of our videos on there went viral, has like 5 million views, crazy. Um, what, was so, the, what was the the video about? Uh, it's my my engagement, dude, my proposal. Oh, shoot, okay, yeah, nice. bro, so get a box of tissues. Man. I know you're a big dude, man, but <laughs> get a box of tissues before you watch it, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's a tearjerker. Uh, but I did it as a gift to my fiance, and I put it on YouTube and ended up hitting. Yeah. Yeah, so I really want to take care of the YouTube channel, the YouTube business, and um, help my help my children leverage that because I know that moving forward, like that social status, that influence is going to matter a lot moving forward. So you're really big into the social media platforms. Yeah. Uh, we had, um, uh, I never, I don't know if you've ever been there in uh, East County, Kelly comfort, the owner, Sean, but anyways, he's really big into social media. He has the like, digital platforms. He was save the bolts, that kind of thing, whatever. No way. Um, but his whole push, every time I talked to him, TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Yeah. So do you have a TikTok account? I have a TikTok account, man. Right. I have one, dude. So, yeah. so how, how are you doing on that? I only have six posts and one okay. of them hit 3,500 views. I've got yeah. all of them kind of lingering between one and two. Yeah. So I need to improve on it. I don't give it enough attention. Yeah. I don't research it enough. So I'm not, I, I know that dancing's huge on there. Um, but I need well, my, my business partner, he's, he's encouraging me to look more into that so that I can take that TikTok audience yeah. and then redirect them back over to my YouTube platform. You know, so the, the TikTok things are interesting because the more people I talk to that are get on it, right. That just started, it seems like the second or third one, right. Go big. Right. And the other ones go really small. There you go, dude. And, and so like he yeah. had one of like, 25,000 views, right. On a second one, but it was like a, a porn star on the thing. And like he didn't meet <laughs> there, us like that from there the thing. Go, and so, but, <laughs> but like yeah. I, I was looking at his stuff and it was the same kind of thing. It was like a couple and then it was like a massive amount and then, a, then just a couple again. So I don't know if it's their algorithm or what it is bro. I think that to might get be you game. enticed it, by it. I think that's what it is. It might be like a, a bait and switch kind of thing. Like, Hey, yeah, well, your second one took off, bro. No, I'll keep on trying again until you get another one. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I could totally be wrong. If anyone <laughs> knows that they're about TikTok, I've met a tiktok master yet no. <laughs> or expert so yeah but um so for people listening right now if they want to follow you watch your content yeah. reach out to you what's the best way you have to follow us well here's the thing man it's going to benefit you more than it does me because uh, if you follow us on instagram you're going to see what we're doing to build our personal brand and attracting clients and, and keep documenting all that so the instagram is san diego realtor gabe mendez 
at San Diego Realtor Game Mendez. And then on YouTube, our family channel, you can so you guys can see what we're doing out there in that realm. Uh, that's getting us. By the way, man, we just closed our first deal from YouTube. Oh, nice! Dude, sick, bro. So, so they, they just called you up. Was it local? Was it uh, local? Local. They, they were like in North County, like somewhere in Oceanside or something like yeah. that. And they had been renting, and apparently they found my video that I did an interview that I did on yeah. first time home buying. Yeah. And uh, they called me. Yeah. And then it was simple, man. Showed them a few. Uh, well, one of my agents on my team showed them a few houses. We got them locked up in the buyer broker agreement, closed a deal, and that was the first one ever from YouTube. And by the way, YouTube pays us now, so that's something separate. Uh, but anyways, yeah, we got our first deal from there from YouTube. So if you guys are curious, how much do they pay you? So if you have fifty. So every so put it this way, man. Um, the the number that we're trying to get to right now. Well, yeah. this is how it works. You have to have either a certain out, amount of hours of watch time on your videos yeah. or one thousand subscribers or more. Huh. So a certain amount. So you can have one. You can have fifty subscribers, but if you have a crap load of hours watched, and I don't know, I don't know what that number is. Yeah. Then you qualify to get paid, or you have over one thousand subscribers, and then you're qualified to get paid on YouTube, and then you get paid based on the advertisements. There's a few different ways, but the most popular one are the advertisements. So you have the advertisements playing on your video, and the longer people watch those advertisements on YouTube, the more that you get paid. So if you guys are, if you guys love YouTube, I love YouTube, and if yeah. you guys do, do your favorite channels a favor mm. and watch all their ads hmm. from start to finish because if you are addicted to their content you love what they're posting out the biggest thank you that you can give to them is watching their advertisements from start to finish what's the uh, um i mean this is a little off topic but what's the one youtube channel and besides yourselves right that, that you like watching is there a youtube channel a youtube person uh there's two so i love i love the uh, ace family okay and i love peter mckinnon okay I was going to say, uh, what is that? Uh, hot things or hot wings or whatever that was. Oh, yeah, Have you seen yeah, that shit? Yeah, yeah. This is crazy, bro. Man, that's, Dude, I know, you get yeah. some great people, a great host. I, I mean, anyways. Um, all right, so again, Gabe Mendez, follow his platforms. We're going to have his platforms uh, in the uh, in the content down down below on iTunes, Google Play, all the different platforms. Subscribe to here, Road to Growth. Uh, love to hear your feedback. And thanks again, Gabe. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.